Hello everyone, welcome to Square Wave. My name is Dustin Rogers, and on today's show, the immortal murder machines, the Ninja Warriors. Oh, 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 
Hello and welcome to the show. In case you missed it off the top, this is Square Wave, an audio exploration of video game music history. And today we are playing and discussing the Ninja Warriors arcade game released in 1987 by the Taito Corporation. And before we get there, however, I just have a quick few notes for you. Uh, you are, of course, listening to CKW 95.9 FM. And this program and the many others like it on the station wouldn't be possible without your support, so keep listening. And when it comes time for Fundrive in February, make sure that you donate what you can. And you don't have to wait, actually. You can don donate if you're suddenly flush. Uh, you can go onto the CKW website and throw a fiver their way just uh, to support them for giving a platform to all these great content creators. And I'm also aware that many of you may be listening to this show after it airs, you know, via the CKW online archives or in other places. And just bear in mind that this show wouldn't be possible without the station. So please uh, keep CKW in your mind as, as you're listening to the show. Uh, I also want to remind you that Square Wave is on Twitter and Instagram now at Square Wave CKUW. So if you'd like to connect with the show or ask me anything, that's the place to do it. I don't have a lot of content up there right now, but I plan to have little promos for every show every week, that kind of thing. So if you want, you can follow that space on Twitter and Instagram. Finally, I want to issue a correction from one of the statements that I made last week. And uh, I promise to do this rarely as I try to be mostly accurate on the show. And from time to time, I will get things wrong. But this one was blatantly obvious, so I really wanted to bring attention to it. In last week's show, I stated that the MSX home computer was first released in 1989, which is a flat-out mistake on my part. I had it correct in my notes. And the platform, the MSX, was actually released in 1983. And if I ever get up around to uploading these shows uh, to YouTube or some software platform somewhere, um, the version of last week's show that you hear will have that detail corrected. It's, it's pretty obvious. All right, on to today's show, and we're playing one of my favorite soundtracks of all time, The Ninja Warriors, an arcade game from 1987. The music was composed by Hisayoshi Ogura and Taito's in-house band Zuntada. I'll tell you more about them later on. Uh, this is technically not the band's first release, but it was the first time the Zuntada name was used in a commercial game, and why that's important will become clearer later on in the program. Uh, but this is the soundtrack for The Ninja Warriors, and on the soundtrack, Ogura and company take full advantage of, of the FM synthesis chip present in the arcade machines at the time to create a soundtrack that manages to be somehow upbeat and harrowing at the same time. And I'd like to play another track before we dive fully into the story behind the Ninja Warriors. This is Motherless Children. We'll be right back on Square Wave on CKW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back to the show, everyone. Thanks for joining me in our audio exploration of The Ninja Warriors. Let's dive into the history here of this game and how it came to be. Now, I am a firm believer in the old Shakespeare quip that all that's past is prologue, and there's truly no good place to begin a story. So where does the story of The Ninja Warriors begin? Well, I have selected, for this particular story, January 1st, 1920 in the city of Odessa in southern Ukraine when Michael Kogan, the founder of Taito, was born. Now, Michael Kogan, he went by Misha, so I'm going to continue to call him Misha throughout the rest of this segment. But as a boy, Misha and his family moved to Harbin, Manchuria to escape the Russian Revolution. This is part of what would be called the Fugu Plan, created by the Imperial Japanese government. Of course, Japan had recently captured Manchuria, turning it into a puppet state called Manchukuo, pretty much directly ruled by Japan. Today, Manchuria is part of northern China, and of course, there were Manchu people living there before the invasion, so the Fugu plan, while definitely not great for many people, does appear to be at least a somewhat genuine offer to Jewish refugees fleeing Hitler's Nazi Germany. Okay, I'm not a historian, so don't expect much more from me here. Anyway, at age 19... Misha, remember that's the future founder of the Taito Corporation, he would move to Tokyo in 1939 after relocating to Manchuria. It was here that he spent most of the duration of the Second World War studying at the Waseda School of Economics, and he moved to Tianjin, China in 1944, the same year that he founded his first business, Taitung, in Shanghai. Now, Taitung Misha's first business, that translates to Taito in Japanese, so you can sort of see the name's origins begin. And what did Taitung specialize in in the 1940s in China? Taitung's business largely involved the sale of natural hair wigs, floor coverings, and hog bristles, so quite a far cry from the ninja warriors that we'll eventually get to. So post-World War II, with Japan defeated and slowly relinquishing control of the Japanese-held Chinese territories, China was basically experiencing a power vacuum. And forgive me again for the brief history lesson here, and this topic is still controversial, and I really encourage you to read about the history here and not take the history lesson from a video game music show too seriously. But essentially, the National Republic of China was losing control of the country to the Chinese Communist Party, and the nation slipped into civil war. So as a result, Misha closed Taitung in 1950 and started his second business in Japan shortly after, this time a clothing distributor named Taito Yoko. This didn't last very long, however, as the constant loss of products and apparently very negligent employees caused Taito Yoko to struggle financially, and Misha would abolish the business after only a year or two. Misha then established the Taito Trading Company a year or so after losing the Taito Yoko Corporation on August 24th, 1953. And eventually, the title trading company is what would become the title corporation. Okay, great, we got to be getting to video games now, right? Hold up. Not yet, because the title trading company actually began as a vodka distillery. It was the first company to produce vodka in Japan, and it also imported peanut butter vending machines and perfume machines. So increasing competition led to Taito abandoning the vodka business in 1955, and it began focusing on its successful vending machine business. Also, it began importing jute boxes and finding some from kind of shut down American military bases. It would buy those as well. This was quite a boon for Taito because a few years later, jute boxes that mixed Japanese records with American folk songs would become quite popular in bars all, all across the country. And this business brought Taito moderate success in the beginning of the 1960s. Now, Taito began manufacturing what are called electromechanical games in the 1960s, sort of leveraging its other jukebox and, and vending machine business into this. And it would release in 1967 something called Crown Soccer Special. And this is a two-player game that sort of simulates soccer as best you could back then using electronic equipment. And there's a bunch of lights. There are pictures of it online. And, and pinball flippers. It essentially looks like a vintage pinball machine that you could play with another person. A year later, in 1968, Crown Basketball debuted from the Taito Corporation. And that became the highest-earning arcade game at the 1968 Tampa Fair in the U.S., so shortly after this, in 1972, Taito would change its name from the Taito Trading Company to Taito Corporation, and it introduced its first arcade video game in 1973. 
Taito would go on to make hundreds of different arcades over the years, um, but it wouldn't be until five years later, in 1978, that the first Taito arcade machine would really strike it big, when developers at Taito launched Space Invaders. Now, this is a hugely popular game, and it quickly became the company's most popular title and one of the most memorable games in arcade history. Today, it's still considered to be responsible for the beginning of the golden age of arcade video games. And after the success of Space Invaders, Title would release other arcade hits such as Bubble Bobble, Lufia, Arkanoid, and Darius. And alongside Konami, Namco, and Sega, it's one of the most prominent video game companies from Japan, and one of the first to really export its games in other countries. And Taito today is still recognized as an important player in the early days of video games. Now, this segment has gone on very long, and I want to get into a little bit more music. Let's hear one of those tracks by Zuntada, that's the in-house band of the Taito Corporation, off of the Ninja Warriors soundtrack. This is Che. Enjoy.
You are listening to CKUW 95.9 FM, Winnipeg. Hello and welcome back to Square Wave. I hope you've enjoyed the show so far today. We're rounding out about the halfway point in our show. And that last segment, I I really hope you enjoyed that story on the origins of the Taito Corporation and the the story of its of its founder i mean it's so interesting to me to read to do the research on that segment because uh, it is a story that is woven in with the very fabric of history so it was certainly interesting for me to see the overlap between the title corporation which made some of my favorite video game soundtracks and you know the entire course of history as we were telling that story we were talking about the mid 70s and one of the reasons for the success of the company was its games and in particular the sound of those games and the sound of those games is largely due to the hard work of a group called Zuntada and you heard me mention this name before the break Um, but Zuntada is the in-house band of composers and programmers that are responsible for basically every sound on every title developed game going back at least to 1983. The concept of an in-house band at the time was very novel for game companies. I don't believe that the title corporation was the first one to do it. I I think that they were not the first to the party, but part of their success with Zentata had a huge impact and really encouraged other game devs to do the same thing. I'll give you an example of some of the other game devs in Japan at this time that had in-house bands. There's Data East's Gameadelic, there's Sega's SST band, and Konami's Konami Kukeha Club that I hope we'll get to play and feature one day on the show, and there's a few others as well. Uh, But as I said, Zuntada is Taito's in-house band, and they consist of the core sound development. They contributed to many, many franchises, including Darius, Groove Coaster, Arkanoid, Space Invaders, and of course the Ninja Warriors. They are still considered today to be one of the biggest names in classic game music, and they still exist and work today. Their origins can be traced back to, like I said, 1983, when they first established this sound division. Now, the group would release their first collective music album, Darius Taito Game Music Volume 2 in 1987, and the success of that album actually encouraged Taito to really support its sound division and keep them releasing new music. I don't believe that Zentata was meant to be a long-standing thing, but it's still around more than 30 years after its creation. So I should also specify that what I'm talking about is not Zuntada Records, um, that's something different. Zuntada the band is what we're focusing on. Zuntada Records was established in the mid-90s by the Taito Corporation, and it's more of a for-profit company that they release the Zuntada band's music on, and it's not really a creative enterprise, so I just want to be clear that we're talking about Zuntada the band, not Zuntada Records. And Zuntada the band are the composers and musicians behind you know, some of the biggest sounds of the 80s and 90s, in particular shoot 'em ups and rhythm games. They were also a pioneer when it came to live performances. Their first live show was actually in 1990, and to hear the original members of Zatata tell it, everything was handmade. They even had all gold uniforms that were all handmade. They had their own set list, all written by hand and everything. This was quite a a do-it-yourself show, apparently quite difficult to pull off, but that was, you know, that was a seminal moment. Could you imagine going to a bar uh, in, in 1990 to go hear a band play video game music for you live? Just seems otherworldly and, and, and way, way ahead of its time to me anyway. Now, eventually the band in their live performances would add more story elements and couple images to their music as they would develop sort of story in their music and, and, and in the story aspects of the games. And primary among the many storied composers who have worked for Zuntada over the decades is Hisayoshi Ogura. He's known to his fans as simply OGR, and Ogura and his avant-garde game music were crucial in establishing Zuntada as one of the pioneers of arcade sound design with games like Darius and the Ninja Warriors and the Legend of Kage, as well as Galactic Storm. And Zuntada today continues to produce music for Taito video games, 
particularly working on the Groove Coaster series. The band's music is a combination of abstract and synth pop, and has recently gotten more attention from video game publications for its bizarre nature and relative strangeness. Both the band and its members have received awards, and in 2018, Zuntada announced via press release that they had added over 3,000 tracks to Spotify. And for those curious, you can also find the group on iTunes, so make sure you check out Zuntada after the show if that's something that you wish to seek more out from. As I mentioned there, the story of Zuntada is really one that is tied in with the composer, the lead composer of the band, Hizayoshi Ogura. And I'd like to tell you more about his influences and his work on the other side of this. But for now, let's take one more track. This is Are You Lady by Hizayoshi Ogura and the Zuntada in-house Taito band.
welcome back to Square Wave. Now, before we took that song that was Are You Lady off of the Ninja Warriors soundtrack, which is, of course, the soundtrack that we're playing all hour today on the show, I mentioned to you about Hizayoshi Ogura. That is the former leader of Zuntada, um, Taito's in-house band that we just spent the segment talking about. And to tell the story of Zuntada is really to tell Ogura's story as well, because the two were so closely intertwined for more than two decades. And Ogura was born in 1959 in Fukuoka, Japan. And in the early days of his career, he says that he admired the composers of Keio Kyokyu. And that's the musical genre that preceded J-pop that we're familiar with today. Think of it like a, a doo-wop rock and roll is to modern rock or the way Motown might be seen compared to R&B today. And that is sort of giving you an idea of what Keio Kyokyu is all about. Now, Ogura's particular influence from that era was Kyohei Tsutsumi. And Kyohei Tsutsumi was a star of the disco funk era who regularly had hits on the radio. And he's well regarded as a total professional. And as a student, Ogura was very influenced by Tsutsumi. By the time Ogura had graduated from college, he began studying music theory while teaching piano part-time. Although he started composing at age 13, by this point, Ogura says he could barely read or write scores. Now, at the same time, synthesizers started to catch on and become quite popular in Japan, but Ogura says he only began to discover them when, in the early 1980s, YMO, that's Yellow Magic Orchestra, burst on the Japanese musical scene. Ogura says that they had a huge impact on him, and that their influence led, them, led him to begin working on synth music in earnest. At this point, Ogura is looking for more serious work. He says he was watching newspapers daily to see if either Namco or Taito had posted a Help Wanted ad, and turns out that it was Taito who posted an ad first, but it was for a salesman. So Ogura was not dissuaded by this. He did apply, and during the interview process, Ogura told Taito's human resources department that he could also compose music. And several days later, after being hired, Ogura was taken to Taito's R&D department where they had coincidentally just created a dedicated sound department and happened to be seeking personnel that could compose music for them. And Ogura says it was a miracle for both him and the company. The next two years, though, would be very hard on Ogura as he sort of transitioned into this dedicated sound department at Taito. He says he was writing music for game after game every day. And he says, quote, it was difficult to create music that I could feel was my own, end quote. During this time, Ogura composed some of the most famous arcade pieces, including The Legend of Kage, which is a great soundtrack. I really do recommend you check it out. A heavy Japanese influences with, you know, you could almost call it new wave and very up-tempo stuff. As well as Arknoid, which is a breakout clone, you know, the brick breaker where you control a paddle and keep the ball afloat so that it breaks the bricks above you. And that would come out in 1986, and that was the highest grossing table arcade cabinet in 1987 in Japan, as well as the year's highest grossing arcade conversion kit in the United States. It was also around this time that the project Darius appeared. And Nogura told his boss directly that he wanted to work on this game if at all possible. He says he was really interested in it, and what attracted him to the project was trying out a freer musical approach. And the theme of the game, which was an enormous entity lurking within the universe, sort of really inspired his work in this regard. Now, Ogura says he really wanted to put his best into Darius, and so he sought to create something different from the typical shooting game. And at the time, it was fairly adventurous to use avant-garde rhythms and regular meter in music, but Ogura saw Darius as the opportunity to wipe out what was considered common sense in video game music at the time and create something new from the ground up. Now, as history would have it, Darius would be considered Ogura's breakout composition, which really helped establish him as one of the leaders in this area of video game, in this era of video game music, rather. And further, his work establishing Taito's in-house band would pay off over the next decade, especially as he continued composing for Taito's games. At the forefront of this would always be the Darius series, which often were Ogura's most experimental and innovative space to create music in, and I really encourage you all to go and check out the later Darius soundtracks, including G Darius and Darius Gaiden, to get a feel for how truly bizarre and challenging Ogura's later work 
would become. And really the crowning achievement is, I think, Visioners, uh, which is a track you can find off of the Darius Gaiden soundtrack. And they performed this live. It was one of their biggest hits for Zuntada and really just really speaks to where Ogura would go with video game music later on in his career. For now, though, I do want to take one track off of the original Darius soundtrack. This is the main theme. It's called Chaos. And then we'll be back to finish talking about the Ninja Warriors on Square Wave on CKUW 95.9 FM. That was Chaos, the main theme for Darius, for the arcades released in 1987 and composed by Hisayoshi Ogura. And Ogura, as I said previously, also composed the music for The Ninja Warriors, which was also released in 1987 for arcades. And The Ninja Warriors is a one or two player side-scrolling beat-em-up. The players control robot ninjas who battled their way through levels using shuriken and knives and different attacks. And the ninjas slowly would take more damage and tear away their clothes uh, from the damage that would reveal robotic limbs and torsos, etc. And when the damage reached a critical stage, the ninja would explode and scatter its mechanical body parts all over the screen. And the arcade cabinet was itself a huge beast, just an absolutely massive, ultra-wide, um, ultra-wide arcade that used three monitors to allow the action to span across 
the width of the screens and giving it a sort of a widescreen effect that also added to the gameplay. And the graphics were fairly good for the era and the three screen implementation allowed the sprites, um, particularly big sprites during boss fights or when you're fighting vehicles like tanks, uh, to have a really huge impact and really show be shown on the screen very well. And the arcade housed dual 68,000 CPUs. We talked last week about the X, the Sharp X68000, but this thing had two of them. It also had a Z80 2.5 megahertz processor and Yamaha's YM2610 sound chip, which provided the sound. Now, this sound chip was also the same one that SNK's Neo Geo arcade system and home game systems would use. So, if you're familiar with either of those, you've heard quite a bit from the YM2610. And Nogura says working with this chip was a huge boon for him. Quote, The YM2610 chip greatly expanded the range of expression for both music and sound effects. The Ninja Warriors was the first title game to use that model. And Nogura also says he did a great deal of research at this time on how to use the tone colors in FM synthesis for this game. He says for the first time, he was able to experiment with different effects such as delay and flanging in his composition, which would allow him to alter an individual sound while still retaining its beauty. As for the story of the game, I could tell you, but why would I do that when I have a wonderful sound clip from the arcade that will introduce you to the whole setup of the Ninja Warrior. So let's hear that now. No one could maintain the public order. The evil dictator, Bungler, controlled not only the police, but also the underground world. Drugs, murder, sex. He held the key to everything since he became the president. Mulk, who was the leader of the revolutionists, built two assassination machines to kill the president. They were called the Ninja Warriors. Wasn't that so cool? Like, I just love that clip and I could, I, I listen to it all the time, but that's the setup for the Ninja Warriors. You would have heard that coming from across the arcade hall in the late 80s, uh, probably rarely in very few places in North America, but it still was here. And, you know, if that sounds a little dystopian to you, that was definitely part of the game's appeal, sort of part of a cultural zeitgeist at the time around, you know, Terminator 2 and this kind of fear of the future slash dictators, etc. And though I've never played the game for myself, I have watched it played several times. And as a beat-em-up, it's fairly simple, though the game would have been certainly seen as quite impressive in an arcade in 1988. And as I said, the dystopian feel would have been really popular with, I think, young people at the time and its mix of robot ninjas taking down down machine gun toting enemies would have been just so cool and very at home in that in that era and that specific span of time i suggest that maybe you go and check out some videos of the actual the ninja warriors arcade game from time to time if you are also interested in checking it out as well it's, it's really a great watch the graphics are good um and in case you don't, I'm going to spoil how the game ends for you. It features another wonderful bit of narration which leads into another track which is called Paradox, also by Hizayoshi Ogura, and I'm going to play that for you right now, and we'll come back to round out the rest of the hour on Square Wave on CKW 95.9 FM. A revolution broke out, and everything came to an end. The troubled country seemed to be finished by the death of the wicked machines. But peace did not come, because the Ninja Warriors are the immortal murder machines.
That was Paradox, the final track from the Ninja Warriors soundtrack by Zuntada, and he's a Yoshiogura. And we are running out of time. There's really so much more I could say about the game, um, but I do want to get in a few quick notes here at the end. Uh, the Ninja Warriors was impressively ported to the Amiga, um, but lost a lot of its original arcade soundtrack in the conversion. And the game also spawned a Super Nintendo follow-up under the same name, which was released in 1994. That version, however, was developed at Natsume by the same team that would later release Wild Guns, which is another game I'm sure I will get to cover one day on Square Wave. Like I said, a few other things about the Ninja Warriors. On September, in September of 1991, the Ninja Warriors was put on the infamous German Index. If you don't know what that is, it basically is like relegating it to the bins of only being sold to 18 years and older. So, you know, that's pretty much a death knell for any game at the time. As for Ogura, he actually left Taito in 2005 to work as a freelancer. He was dissatisfied with the company's shift away from more traditional game development and shifting sort of toward mobile phones and games for mobile phones, though he's continued to make numerous cameos with the Zintada band. Zintada is still working as Taito's in-house band, but without many of its founders from the height of its popularity. And... Really, they were a groundbreaking band back in the day. Remember how I said that they were some of the first to perform video game music live? Well, recordings of those early shows still exist and can be found online on YouTube, Spotify, and iTunes. And in fact, I have a recording of Zuntada and he's a Yoshi Ugura performing Daddy Malk. That's the first track we played today on the show from the Ninja Warriors soundtrack for a live audience at the 1990 Game Music Festival. So I don't have time to play it all, but... I want to make sure we get some of this in here. This is Zuntada performing the Ninja Warriors live 31 years ago. We'll see you next week on Square Wave. (laughs) 